Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast from Vital Point Church. My name is Ron. I'm the pastor here at Vital Point. We believe that it's important for people to explore and grow in their faith. And my hope, my prayer is that this message that you're listening to will draw you closer to better understanding how you can live out your faith journey in the everyday life. Sit back and enjoy. Well, good evening and welcome to Vital Point. And uh, it's so good to have you here tonight at this service. And I uh, also want to welcome those of you online. We are live streaming this one. And uh, we are so grateful for those of you who are watching online. And uh, I've been getting text messages from different people watching. So it's really great. Thank you for doing that. And uh, just comment maybe in the chat where you're from. My name is Ron and I'm the pastor here at Vital Point Church. And uh, we are so excited to be able to celebrate Christmas this way. And uh, what you need to know is that we have been praying, like Amy mentioned off the top of the service, we have been praying that you would uh, have your life interrupted by the celebration that we have tonight. And that we believe that, and we've been praying about this and really truly do believe that some of us are going to have our lives changed tonight as a result of our gathering together. You've probably noticed that life is made up of different moments, right? The moment we get up to the moment we go to bed at night, there's moments all in between that that make up a day for us. But there's moments that we often plan for, like we look forward to those moments. So for example, you're looking forward to a vacation or post-secondary schooling or getting married or starting a new job, moving to a new town or to a city, having kids, retirement. The list can go on and on. One of the things that I, when I talk to people, I realize is that many people enjoy the moments leading up to the planned moment. It's this anticipation, it's the excitement and looking forward to it. For example, my, uh, my wife and I, we're, we're going to be celebrating our 30th wedding anniversary in our 33rd year in Northern Ireland in April. I mean, put that all together, right? You're like, oh, wait, I need a flow chart for that. You know, the, the pandemic, you know, canceled our 30th anniversary, although we did celebrate, it's now pushed into next year. And we're going to go to Northern Ireland. And I got to tell you, we are so excited that we're going to do that. We're so excited. We're going to do a self-guided tour. And then I realized, oh no, I got to drive on the other side of the road. And I realized that this could be a bit of a challenge because I hear that Northern Ireland and Ireland has a lot of roundabouts. So I figured what I would do early in the next year is I would begin practicing on our roundabouts here. I would just start going the other direction, right? So if you see a 2013 Ford Focus going the other direction, just wave. It's going to be me practicing going the other direction. I hope we survive this whole thing. We love those planned moments. But then there are moments that are unplanned. Things that don't go according to plan. They're unexpected. They come out of nowhere. We refer to these things as interruptions, right? It's the call from your son or daughter telling you that they're not following through on getting married to the love of their life. They just felt that they shouldn't do that. It's HR informing you that the company's restructuring and you're no longer part of the plans. Or that moment when you invested a certain amount of money in a company, believing that you're gonna make a boatload of money Next to find out it's gone belly up and there's no money left and you've lost it. Or a doctor phones you and says, you better get in here quickly. The results are not good. Or it's that early morning knock on the door. 
right? It's that early morning knock on the door and you, you're scrambling around half asleep trying to get your house coat so that you can go and answer the door. When you open it, there's news on the other side that's not good. We have these unplanned interruptions that often cause pain, often cause grief and anxiety. But have you ever thought about sometimes interruptions are not always bad? That there are some interruptions that are actually good. I've been thinking a lot about the Christmas story, like the Christmas story about baby Jesus, that is. You begin to realize that it's a story of interruption after interruption after interruption. I mean, think about Mary for a moment. Mary's going about her business. She's young. She's planning to get married to Joseph. She's just living her best life. And then all of a sudden, this celestial being shows up and says, hey, guess what? You're favored in God's eyes. You are going to carry the Son of God. Look what it says in Luke chapter one. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you should call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Talk about a major interruption, right? Guess what, Mary? You're going to carry Jesus. Guess what? It's your responsibility. Now, she's no dummy. She she took the class. She knows how kids are made. And so she says to the angel, come on, like I'm saving myself for Joseph. So therefore, I know the situation here. How can this be possible? And the, and the response is, don't worry, God's got this. I mean, that's just an amazing moment, isn't it? And so she responds. She says, okay, I'm God's servant. But think about not only Mary, but think about poor Joseph. Like this guy, he didn't see this coming. I mean, he is just, you know, he's working hard. He's planning to get married to Mary and the unthinkable. Mary has to sit him down and tell him, hey, guess what? I'm pregnant. And by the way, it's God. Like, how do you work that in, right? You, you just, how, how do you debate this conversation? Joseph, he's an honorable man and he doesn't want to shame Mary, so he decides to break off the engagement, but his life is interrupted in a dream. And the dream is basically telling him that, hey, listen, you're not going anywhere. You're staying in the game and you're going to marry Mary. Mary and Joseph, their lives are interrupted. What about the shepherds? The shepherds, they have their lives interrupted as well. They, they're just watching over their flocks by night. They're just doing their thing. They're doing their jobs. They're taking care of the sheep. And then an angel appears and the glory of God envelops them. Look what it says in Luke 2. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now, I, I love the Bible, and I love how the Bible drops in these little truths that oftentimes when we hear it or sing about it and read it, we just kind of pass by it and don't pay attention often. But what you need to know about why the swaddling clothes were mentioned in this particular moment is because the shepherds were likely taking care of the religious ritual sheep that were used for God's people in sacrifice. And so when a lamb was born, what they would do is they would examine it to see if it was, see if it had any blemishes. And if it didn't, they would take this little lamb and they would wrap it in swaddling clothes. I mean, how beautiful is that? The shepherds are interrupted by this news of a swaddling clothed baby lying in a manger and they go and they find this baby and they find him lying in a manger. But there's one more group of people that are interrupted around the time of Jesus' birth. It's the Magi. We refer to them as the wise men. 
They're part of the larger picture of the Jesus story. And just for free information, okay, if you're ever at your friend's house and you see the wise men in the manger scene, just go over and remove them very quietly and take them out because they were not there at that time, okay? Just if you're in the mall, I, I, I should get clarity in this. Is there a manger scene in the mall? I have no idea if they allow that anymore. But if, there, if, there's, a, if there's a manger scene, just go and stand by it and say, these guys weren't here. They weren't part of it yet. Although they do eventually show up. These magi are a special class of priests and religious professors and philosophers and scholars. This group of men would have understood the arrival of the Messiah. They would have been taught this. They would have understood this, that a Messiah was coming, likely from the Old Testament into the New Testament. There's a strand of teaching. Look what it says in Matthew chapter two. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. What we realize when we look at these three scenarios around the story of the birth of Jesus is there's a commonality to each one of them in the interruption and it's Jesus. The newborn baby interrupted each of their lives. They were going about their day, doing their own thing. And then all of a sudden, there was an interruption about the news of this one who was born. Mary, you're gonna carry the son of God. Joseph, you're gonna be in on it too a little bit. Mary, you're gonna, Mary, you're gonna carry shepherds. You are, you're gonna leave your flock for a time and you're gonna go and you're gonna meet and everything's gonna change when you meet this baby. The Magi, the wise men, you're gonna travel great distances and you're going to show up with gifts. See, here's the thing that we have to consider as we consider the celebration of the baby Jesus is this, that he is the great interrupter. He is the great interrupter. Each of them had this moment of interruption of the news of the baby Jesus. What is so beautiful about this, though, as we consider this and as we look at the three scenarios, is we begin to realize that this was no ordinary baby. No ordinary baby. This was Jesus. This was the Son of God. This was the King. See, we have to acknowledge the fact that this was no ordinary baby from a few perspectives. One is we have to look at it and realize that the birth of Christ was prophesied about. Prophets spoke about this. Look at this verse in the Old Testament, Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What is so incredible about this verse, it was 700 years before Mary found out she was going to be pregnant with Jesus. 700 years before the shepherds and the magi. Can you imagine 700 years prior, their lives were interrupted. There was words given that there would be one who would be born. We even have the location in which he would be born would be Bethlehem. Now, let me be upfront with you about something. There's a lot of kids and teenagers in the room and some people with some experience in life in the room, okay? Now, I know you've been told all your life you're special. Like your mom told you you're special, your dad told you, teachers, everybody told you you're special, but you're not that special, okay? Just so we're clear. Because no one talked about your birth prior to you being born. Sure, there was a gender reveal eventually, but no one said hundreds of years that so-and-so would be born and in the particular location. This is staggering when you think about the reality of this. This is no ordinary baby showing up. What is even more staggering is to realize that 
some 2,000 years after the birth of Jesus, we're still celebrating his birth. I mean, think about that for a moment. 2,000 some years later, you're in this room, you're watching online right now, celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, celebrating it. Now, I understand in the Christmas season, like we can get lost in the hustle and the bustle and the shopping and the gift buying. And I know that culture is monetized this season with bargains and deals and happy holidays and so on. But when we step back and look at the greater picture of the story, we recognize and realize, I should say, that there is an interruption that changed their lives. But here's what I want us to know and see is that the interruption only changed their lives as a result of their response to the interruption. It was the response that they had to the interruption of the baby's arrival. Mary, what does she do? She surrenders her womb. The shepherds, they leave their flock and they go and they find Jesus and they leave glorifying and praising God. The magi, what they do is they find Jesus eventually and they, and they fall down and they worship him and they give him gifts. I mean, this is an incredible moment because in their response to the interruption, it shows us something. It reveals something to us at this Christmas season. The Magi's gift is what I want to focus on for just a few moments is this, is that the Magi's gift actually revealed to us who Jesus was and what he came to do. Here's what I want us to consider. Matthew 2, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. So they had big smiles on their faces. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary and his mother, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These guys, they didn't stand around debating. Hmm, I'm not sure if this is the one. They didn't question, no. They went with great joy and they fell down and they worshiped him and they gave him gifts, gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. Gold is this precious metal that we all understand. The frankincense is this expensive fragrance of perfume. And this myrrh is specific perfume used for the purpose of antiseptic anointing oil and healing and embalming fluid. For each of these magi, these gifts were not unusual for them. Some authorities on this stuff talk about the idea that these magi were actually revealing who Jesus was through their gifts. They were gifts that were diplomatic representation of their culture in which they honored a king. They were honoring a king. This expensive gifts that they gave were costly, but they were significant because they were revealing a newborn king had arrived. Such an amazing moment, isn't it? to realize that a king had become a baby. We normally, in our minds, see a baby eventually becomes a king, but a king became a baby who would become a king again. The beauty and the wonder and the awe. See, the gold and frankincense, maybe we can get our heads around, but did you catch what I said about the myrrh? I kind of just went by it quickly because I knew I was going to revisit it. The myrrh is this antiseptic for healing and embalming for the dead, okay? Now, just... This is another bit of free information for you. The next baby shower you go to, I do not recommend you give myrrh, okay? It's just not a good idea. It's probably not on any list anywhere, right? But it's pointing to something very powerful. It's pointing to what Jesus came to do. I know some of us are probably not gonna be back till Easter, so let me give you a bit of the Easter story, okay? So I'm just gonna give it to you up front. I'd love to see you back before Easter, but you know, 
Life's busy, I know. The myrrh is directing our attention to the cross. See, this baby, this baby Jesus would grow up to be a man. He would be a sinless man. He would be the lamb of God. He would be the one that was wrapped in swaddling clothes. You remember that? And he would step in in our place and go to a cross and die and be buried in three days, rise again. Which means this, there is healing power in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And there is power to transform our understanding of ourselves, our world, and God. Listen, you may, you may not agree with me on this, and you have to debate this for yourself. But you and I, human beings, were originally created to be in perfect union with God. Did you know that? We were created out of God's love, out of God's creativity, out of his desire to be in relationship with us, to be in perfect sync with each other and with him and with the creation. There was a catastrophic moment that interrupted the union, like, a, like an atomic bomb going off, spreading outward. It's this thing called sin that has created a ripple effect everywhere. Someone recently sent me a message, and you have to fact find this for yourself. I didn't do that. It didn't take time. But someone told me that Webster's Dictionary is actually removing the word sin from it. Oh, they can remove it all they want. There's still evidence of it. We intuitively know this. We watch it unfold in our world. We see war and famine and disaster. We experience abuse and addictions and broken families and marriages. We lash out at our kids. We at times get angry and are bitter, discouraged and, dis- and, dis- and depressed. Your kids bite other people's kids. Like it's just a reality of what sin looks like. Not unless you taught your kids that. I don't suggest you do that, but it's a realization is that we are all in this understanding I mean, even think about the confusion in our world around human sexuality. Anybody else confused? We go about it trying to sort it out, though, on ourselves, don't we? We are told that, you know, your truth is your best truth, and your truth is what you need to, it's your greatest power. And so we scratch and we claw and we try to gain wholeness and healing, and we try to find it in sex and experiences and hobbies and sports, and we still find ourselves wanting and needing, and we can't figure out what the answer is. Sure, these things give momentary happiness and joy, but they seem to fade away. The myrrh is present because it reveals to us that Jesus is the solution to the sin problem that we have. The ancient church understood these three gifts. The gold points to the royalty of Jesus as a king. The frankincense, his divinity as God in the flesh. And the myrrh is his humanity to take the sin of the world upon himself. Oh, baby. See, these gifts tell us a story. These gifts tell a story that invites us to be part of it. And the response of faith to the news of Jesus is not something that we get from him, it's what we give to him. It struck me as I thought about Mary and Joseph, the shepherds and the magi, when they went to Jesus to see him, they didn't go to him to get anything from him. They went to him to give them their their lives. They worshiped, they gave him gifts came across this quote, when you give a gift to Christ like this, it's a way of saying the joy that I pursue is not the hope of getting rich with things from you. I have not come to you for your things, but for yourself. And this desire I now intensify and demonstrate by giving up things in the hope of enjoying you more, not things. Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the wise men, they didn't want anything from him. 
but only to give their lives to him. The great interrupter, I referenced that just a moment ago, that Jesus is the great interrupter. And he really is. He interrupts our lives. He interrupts our plans and our dreams, our marriages. He interrupts our brokenness. He interrupts our shame and our guilt and our sorrow. He interrupts to bring healing, to be made new in Christ. Jesus, the King, came to interrupt, to give us peace, peace with ourselves and peace with God, to, be resol- to resolve this thing called sin. This is the unmerited love that Jesus offers this Christmas to us. He loves to interrupt our lives, and the expectation is a response to this interruption. One of the things I want you to know about Vital Point Church, and if you're a guest, uh, this is be new to you. If you're part of our church, you know this, is that we give a lot of room for people in their journey of faith. You might be here tonight, and you're like an atheist, you're agnostic, you're you're angry at God, or there's others that will be here that have followed Jesus much of their lives. We give a lot of space and we love journeying with people in the process of learning what life and faith looks like. But as I consider this Christmas season, I realize that there needs to be a higher level of boldness and an expectation to the response of this interruption. And the expectation of the response is to give Jesus our affection and our devotion, to give him our lives, to lay our lives at his feet, to realize that he can bring the healing to our brokenness and to our sin. Now, let me be clear. Sometimes we misrepresent Jesus. It's not that our pain and our struggles and our our sorrows will go away. It's not that the storms will never happen. No, it is a process of learning what it means to be in an apprentice of Jesus Christ. But when we realize that when we enter into faith and we give him our lives, he becomes an anchor for our lives, that he becomes a firm foundation for which we can build our lives on. Listen, the last couple of years, the last couple of years, have you heard this word uncertainty? Like it's just, it's a buzzword. And listen, life has always been uncertain. But what happens when the things that we've built our lives on are pulled out from underneath of us, it reveals how uncertain life really is. And for many of us, it was an eye-opener. We realized, oh man, I didn't realize that I was building my life on this sandy foundation. And as soon as something came along, it wiped me out. And when I realized about this Christmas interruption is this, it's so amazing, is that he wants us to come to him. He wants us to give our lives to him so that he could be our foundation, that he could be our anchor. But oh, it's even better than that. Look at what one of Jesus' inner circle guys wrote. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance, ready for this, that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. See, the interruption this Christmas from the great interrupter has eternal significance. An inheritance that is reserved for us, that won't fade, that won't rust, that will last. And he offers it to us today. He just says here. I mentioned earlier, and Amy mentioned it well as well off the top of the service, we really hope that this Christmas will be different for you. We just hope that it will be different. We hope that, and we've been praying that there would be a great interruption 
in your life. There's a, a section in, in the three sections that I read for you from the three different scenarios. There was a word that I emphasized. I hope you heard it and put it in the back of your mind. You probably thought, why did he say it like that? It's the word behold. Each one of those scenarios said, behold, look, see. It captures our attention in the way that causes us to look away from what we think reality is to a new reality. Because the king came to introduce a kingdom called the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven interrupted the kingdom of darkness, ultimately going to a cross and resurrecting from the grave three days later so that we can behold a new reality, a new truth. There's a section in the Bible called Revelation. And in Revelation 3, Jesus says these words, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Catch it again. Behold. If anyone hears my voice and opens a door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. Here's what I'm, I'm convinced of this morning, tonight. Is that Jesus is knocking on the door of some of our lives. And he's saying, we open the door. Some of you are like, oh man, Ron, I don't know. Like the front porch is pretty messy. I don't even know if he can get through. And he says, let me be part of that mess. And he just keeps knocking. Behold, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Behold, behold, Christmas 2022. I share with you the good news of Jesus Christ. The expectation is to respond like Mary, like the shepherds, and like the Magi. Will you bow your knee to him today? Will you surrender your life to him? There's, we're going to close with this song. And the song is specifically designed for you to reflect and to maybe pray and to maybe contemplate the things that I've shared. But I'm convinced there's two things. One is this, is that... Um, there are some of us that have never taken this step of faith before. You've had a few religious experiences. You maybe have gone to church a little bit, or, but you've never actually, by faith, given your life to Jesus Christ. It's a simple little prayer. Listen, there's nothing magical about the prayer. It's more of the condition of our heart. We often refer to it as this conversation with Jesus. It's like, Jesus, today I give you my life so that I might have yours. It's a simple little prayer of faith. It's not the only prayer you have. You have many more after that, but... It's just this idea of entering into that relationship. But here is what else I'm convinced about as well. Behold, some of us are being interrupted because you've created a convenient faith. You've created a selfie faith that fits your needs, your wants. There's no sacrifice, no commitment. It's easy, it's comfortable. I'm gonna say something here that I've been modifying through the services the first service, Amy can tell you, I got myself in trouble in the first service saying this about church online. Um, um, like, that's just me waving at my brother watching from Nova Scotia, just so you know. Um, um, listen, I, I know what the last two years has done to some of us. Some of us have just drifted nothing intentional. It just was a season of drift. And it's become so convenient for you to just sit at home and watch church online 
And by the way, January 1st, we're only going to be online, so take that for what it's worth. Um, But here's the thing. Behold, behold, Jesus says, behold, I have a new dream for you. Behold, I have a new purpose for you. Behold, I want to break into that comfortable, convenient faith that you've created. Yes, it will be sacrifice. Yes, it will be rearranging your life. I had people coming to me after the first service yesterday saying, that's it, I'm coming back to church. I said, do you promise? I'm keeping attendance. No, I'm not just kidding, I'm not. I'm totally not. Um, and she said, yeah. Behold, look, see, capture, hold on to It's time, tonight's the night. I just know, there's something happening in this room that's something going on in some some of our hearts and I, I want you to know that you can take that step. So as we do this closing song, I just want you to sit in this moment or do what you need to do and uh, maybe be, behold. Behold.